breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline this morning. Newly elected State Senator Thomas Presley joining us. Uh, Thomas, good morning. Thanks for your time this morning. Good morning. Good to be on. You can clear everything up today, right? <laughs> we have questions. <laughs> I can try. <laughs> well, my, first of all, I can try. I know what my grade would be. What? Would, how would you grade your the first uh, special session that you guys just wrapped? Oh gosh, that's that's a tough one. Um, you know, going into it, uh, I think Northwest Louisiana was uh, about to be uh, completely uh, left out of a lot of conversations, and we were able to stop that on the Supreme Court front, uh, which I, I think is a, a huge win for us. That'd give us an A on the Supreme Court mm-hmm. uh, with having no map path. Uh, we, I, I do not like the congressional map at all, so I'd give us a, a, a D on that. But I will say. The three Northwest Louisiana senators that are Republicans all stood together strong on that issue with uh, me, Alan Seaball, and, and Adam Bass. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's some positives that came out of uh, of coalition building, uh, but I, I certainly uh, don't like what, what, what happened during that session. Okay, help me. How do I know if I'm in District 4, Mike Johnson's district, or this new District 6? I'm pretty savvy about searching and talking to Mike Spence and all that, and I have no clue if my home, which district my home is in. When will I know? How soon will I be able to find out? Yeah, so the Registrar of Voters is going to send out uh, new cards that will tell you what what district you're in. Um, if if you are a map person, you can go to legis l e g i s dot l a dot gov uh, and and click on bills and follow. Senate Bill 8 will send you to a map, uh, and, and that will show you the best map that I currently have is that map. Okay. Uh, I'm hopeful, though, I can get a map that I can actually zoom in onto the street level, Thank but right you. now it's the precinct level. Yeah, and we need a street level so we can see what neighborhoods have been moved out of Mike I, Johnson's I re- district. I requested it yesterday, and I certainly will forward that on to you so you can put it on the Keel website as okay. soon as we get there. We, we appreciate that a ton. Who who is the magical person that can represent that district, which stretches from Shreveport to, to Baton, Baton Rouge? Rouge. Yeah. Who, who can do that? Well, I think that's a, that's a million dollar question, right? But I mean, when you look at the the number of votes and where they're coming from, Caddo Parish has one hundred and twenty two thousand votes uh, in that district. East Baton Rouge Parish has two hundred and eighty four thousand votes. So I, I believe more than likely you end up with uh, a a congressman from East Baton Rouge that's going to swing all the way north to, to the north side of Shreveport. But they're talking, um, and, Cleo, you know, they're the, talking after, Cleo Fields already. Is, is that well, a name I, that's popped up? I, I don't up? know if Cleo's announced, but I certainly think he he's one that, that makes a lot of sense. He's got some name recognition. He held this seat previously, uh, or, or a very similar seat, let me say that, uh, from 93 to 96. Um, and, and the Supreme Court has previously held that a map very similar to this one uh, was unconstitutional. Yep, uh, and I would not be surprised map. to see a, a lawsuit on this front as well. 
But the folks that are that had been challenging the ACLU and the NAACP say they're not going to challenge this map. So it'll have to be somebody from the other side. You anticipate that happening? I would not be surprised if that happens. Uh, I, I don't have any information on that, but it, it wouldn't surprise me. Look, I mean, I represent uh, South South Shreveport, uh, South Caddo Parish, uh, and Northern and Western DeSoto Parish and the state Senate. I've had the opportunity of serving in the state house the last four years. I can tell you uh, without a doubt, unequivocally, that Shreveport has unique needs from Baton Rouge. Thank and you. I think it's absolutely insane that we are in the same congressional district uh, as, as Baton Rouge. Look, my part, a, a, a good portion of my Senate district will be in, in this new uh, District 6 uh, mm-hmm. congressional seat. And I just think that the, the needs of Northwest uh, Louisiana should trump uh, any other determination. Uh, I went to the floor of the, the, the Senate uh, last week and spoke about the uniqueness of our community. Uh, when you talk about storms, they're talking about hurricanes. We're, of course, talking about ice storms. We were in the middle of an ice storm at the time. Uh, I, I think we have unique unique challenges and also unique uh, uh, wonderful things about our community as well. You just you brought up my next question. Logistically, this this district makes no sense at all, and that's exactly what I was going to say. It, it, somebody that's you know has something to it, it, with a need in Shreveport. Sorry, I'm getting pibbed here. It is completely different from the southeast corner of the state. And and into into yeah, and, and I'm so glad to hear you bring that up because that's exactly what I was going to say. You know, part of our challenge, Mike, is is that when you look at the population of Louisiana, um, you know, we well almost a third, not quite a third, is African American. It's spread out throughout the state, um, and and so when you're trying to uh, create two districts purely based on race, it, it makes it difficult, and you end up with a funky looking map. Uh, that like the one that we passed. You also see the population generally is along the I-10 corridor. Uh, Julia's district and, and uh, Congressional District 5 now is a, a South Louisiana-based district. It, it actually has more population uh, south of Avoyles than it does north uh, of Avoyles Parish, which is right on that center line of Louisiana. I just really we got to switch to the um, we got to switch to the closed primaries. I just don't like this we... trend sure. of North Louisiana getting screwed. I'm a little bit mystified that we're going to have closed primaries for some elections, but not for the statewide elections. How did that get all twisted? That is what the, uh, the the consensus was that could could get something passed. I think it's a step in the right direction as far as uh, closing our primary or, or having party primaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the folks that are no party, not independents, because that's a recognized party in Louisiana, but no party, which is about seven hundred thousand people, uh, will be able to to pick either the Republican or Democratic uh, primary to to be able to vote in as well. Uh, but those those uh, limited list of, of offices are the ones that uh, the votes were there to, to pass that that bill. Are we headed in the direction where we will eventually have a, you know, statewide offices, the governor and, and you guys be in closed primaries as well? I, I certainly think there's some that, that are moving that direction. I, I you know, I, will that happen this term? I don't know. I think there's a, a view that. Uh, we want to see what happens. Um, you know, we had closed party primaries uh, in in the 
early 2000s, and it was uh, it, it was not liked by the public. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see what the public uh, thinks about this system, um, and that's why we went back to the jungle primary. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the reaction is from the public once we start this in 2026, which is the earliest time frame that we could do so uh, and make sure we're in, uh, upholding the integrity of the elections that um, – you know, obviously, the Secretary of State was was fighting very hard to make sure that 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 is a key approach and a, a key part of this process. We have the governor on coming up in about 20 minutes. We'll talk to him about this and many other topics, I'm sure. And we'll tell him you said hello. Sounds great. Thank you, Thomas. Thomas Presley, newly elected. Yes, thank you, sir. State Senator Mike McCarty, 101.7 FM, 710keel.com. Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. Seven FM, seven ten Kiel, Mike and McCarty. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why I'm laughing. I've got a story about DWI arrests. Which, what, which, of course, this is locked up, you bastard. Yeah. Uh, on keelnews.com. What, what, Parrish? I kinda, yeah, I was kind of stunned by looking at uh, the history over the last, like, last 15 years, how high Caddo Parish is on the list. We're that like, surprises you? Yeah, I didn't think we would be that high. It doesn't we're, surprise me at all. We're behind Orleans Parish. We're behind, I mean, we're ahead of, in terms of the number of DWI arrests, we have more than Orleans, more than Lafayette. The only three parishes ahead of us are Jefferson, St. Tammany, which is on the North Lake, North Shore, uh, and East Baton Rouge had the highest. Isn't that where all the legislators live? Hey, that's not nice. Hey! Be nice. I actually found some interesting tidbits in the stats, and you can see it all at keelnews.com. Um, 21 to 54, that's the bulk, the age group that accounts for the vast majority of all DWI arrests. But listen to this. There were actually 15 cases, 15 cases for people age 95 and older. Maybe they weren't weren't intoxicated. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe Uh, they're just 100 years old. I know. And then 74 cases... For children between the ages of 1 and 14. I'm praying they were all like 13, 14-year-olds. We didn't have a little 5-year-old driving one around. 1 and 14? 1 and 14. That means there had to be a 1-year-old to be in, to, to well, they probably that. they probably just dropped it to the lowest number. I'm hoping they were all 12, 13, 14. But drunk, A, shouldn't be behind the wheel of a car. B shouldn't be drunk. The 95-year-old, you want to drink and get drunk? I'm all for it. Go for it. Well, drive, please. (laughs) Probably don't drive anyway, Anyway. but um, I I was stunned by some of the the stats. Now, if you look at the, you know, the last few years, just in 22, there were 741 DWI arrests in Caddo Parish. We were third. Um, East Baton Rouge Parish did had a little improvement in t- the 2022 numbers. So we got a lot of work to do. And I know part of the reason Caddo makes so many arrests 
is because we are always getting the that grant money mm-hmm. to do those DWI checkpoints. Right. I mean, you'll hear them; they'll say we're doing a DWI checkpoint. That's because they're getting some grant funds um, where they can set up those checkpoints, and they all work together. Now they'll send out an alert that we're doing a checkpoint in South Shreveport. But not don't tell you right. the, uh, the location. Yeah, which would defeat the purpose. Of, Absolutely, you know, telling you the the exact location. Remember the old days when we used to report radar locations. Oh yeah, radar this morning on Fern Avenue. Exactly. And <laughs> report police, and but they're like, no, no, we're not giving you that anymore. And if I asked you, don't look at don't look at the answer. But if I asked you what month, um. It has the highest DWI arrest. I, I would, my first inclination would be December. That's, you're right. You're absolutely right. The summer months are high, and then September's high, and then December is the number one month yeah, for that, DWI that, yeah, arrest. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Because everybody's out, and they're drinking uh, yeah. and partying. Holidays and, 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 oh, and yeah. holiday parties and yeah. Christmas Ab- parties. Yeah. Absolutely. So you can look at all that at keelnews.com. Uh, Governor Jeff Landry joining us coming up right after the local news. Mike and McCarty, 1017FM710Keel.com. Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 1017FM and 710Keel. And on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline this morning with Mike and McCarty, newly elected governor, I don't have to say governor-elect anymore, Jeff Landry joining us. Uh, Governor, good morning, sir. Mike, good morning. Thank you so much for talking with us this morning. Uh, Tell us, uh, almost 30 days in office now, uh, how do you feel? What are your biggest challenges have you seen so far? Oh, Lord, we hadn't been 30 days in office. I was, not not quite, you know, not quite. Nine, <laughs> About oh, three no. weeks. I mean, nine, <laughs> I mean, two weeks. <laughs> I mean, let's see, today, what is today again? Tuesday, 20, right? Is today? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying yeah, to move it along. We're, we're so excited hey, that we've, we've turned red again. I, I just want to make sure you're not trying to get me out. No. <laughs> I'm already working on your reelection campaign. What are you talking about? Uh, what are biggest surprises you found? Um, man, I tell you, it's just, it's just the enormity of the issues that we have here, um, and the challenge of instituting change. I think that the biggest asset we have going for us are the people that are listening out there and the people around this state who I think really have finally said, you know what, we will literally just tell us what you think we need to do, make the case for us, um, you know, um, tell us something that sounds like it's common sense and, and then go implement it, uh, recognizing that, hey, listen, you know, along the way we'll make some mistakes and we won't make the same mistake twice and we'll fix whatever it is. Um, and, and, and so to me, that, that, that's been uh, the surprise, uh, the, the resistance of change in Baton Rouge versus the wanting of change uh, amongst the people of this state. And so I, I'm, I'm excited. We're, we're getting there. we got to... We had a, a big go of it in 14 days. I mean, we did a lot when you think about it. I mean, we did an inaugural ceremony of which we moved in 72 hours from Monday to Sunday. Uh, ended up doing a nighttime, a first ever that I know of. Um, uh, we, you know, we put on a ball, we let everybody celebrate, and then we jumped right into, you know, a special session that was really uh, the product of, of a federal judge, you know, and, and so, you know, we got out of there in five days, Aaron. Mm, yeah. You know, the legislature said they couldn't do anything in five days, and I'll tell you what, they proved that they could. 
Well, we talked to uh, uh, Senator Thomas Presley earlier this morning, and uh, I'll ask you what I asked him. How would you grade this first special session that we just wrapped? Oh, look, I, I graded it as an A. You know, I mean, I think we could have had an A+. plus, um, but, but, but it's an A when you think about what we had to do. Look, here's the problem. A lot of people out there, including myself, were not happy with what we had to do. But we had a federal judge, and it does not matter what any of the people, prognosticators out there believe we had any other option. I mean, why would I not choose a legal option for eight years as the attorney general? That has been the field under which I lived on. Uh, and when, when I tell you that we had no option, there was no option. Um, and, and, and I think for a lot of people, they just were like frustrated, frustrated. Can we do this? Can we do that? But no, at some point in time, there's a wall under which there's, you, you keep kicking the can down the road and you run into it. And we did. Is there a possibility, think, Governor, that the, um, the new congressional map, which Northwest Louisiana is not happy about, you obviously have to know that. Um, is it possible that that map is not legal? I don't know. I mean, look, it's a possibility for a challenge all the time. Um, I do believe that, this, that the court is going to approve this map. I do believe that, you know, um, that it will withstand scrutiny. But look, if it doesn't withstand the scrutiny, then that means we're going to get clearer indications from the United States Supreme Court on how to draw. What people forget is that the United States Supreme Court had the old congressional map on their desk and they sent it back to us. You know, everyone forgets to mention that. It went up to the United States Supreme Court last year. Okay, at the, no, uh, yeah, at the early part of last year. No, 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 I'm lost in the days. Okay. Two years ago. All right. And they, in 2022, it went to the United States Supreme Court, which allowed the congressional elections to move forward. In 2023, they sent it back to us. Mm-hmm. Okay, the Fifth Circuit, who we, are, we rely on, said no you need we're gonna we're, we're not gonna let judge dick draw the map we're gonna give the people an op- the legislature an opportunity to do it and so that's where we were and and you know Aaron, i'll tell you this i'm sure there are a lot of people that are not happy but let's think about what really causes the problem what causes the problem is population decline okay outward migration oh yeah, yeah okay big the problem. ability to move people and so and so instead of crying about the fact that we can't we, we can't have our way because people have left us. Why don't we work on bringing people back into the state and we'll have corners of the state that will have their own congressional representation. Mm. You know, states like Texas, look, the one I always like to pick on my, 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 my second to favorite state besides Louisiana, South Carolina. Over the last 30 years, they I think they've gained two seats. Wow. Mm. You see what I'm saying? So, Absolutely. So let's quit looking backwards and look forwards. Hey, it is what it is. The population, people live where they live. Uh, why don't we work on bringing economic development? Why don't we work on fixing our education? Why don't we work Absolutely. on crime, which we're going to go right away? Let's just put all this pettiness aside and just work to get the state as a whole. Remember, our theme was one Louisiana. And if we think of one Louisiana and we start to work to make sure that Northwest Louisiana has great jobs, great economic opportunity, infrastructure needs, then people will come to there and we won't have this problem. Mm-hmm. Look, speaking of looking forward, the next session is going to be focused on crime. Uh, what are you looking to accomplish and how? what do we need to address with this next session? 
Oh, we've got a lot to address. Um, look, we're, 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 we've got a big meeting today um, under which we're going to um, uh, go through the package uh, that we want to present to the legislature. Um, we're we're going to do some things as we promised. We're going to do some truth in sentencing. Um, we're going to do some, some transparency. Um, but some of the bills that we're going to run were bills that were vetoed uh, by the last governor and 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 so that so that should be real easy because those passed overwhelmingly. Uh, we're going to we're going to um, adjust the age for juveniles um, that has caused havoc on the criminal justice system. We're going to get that back calibrated and um, and do a couple of other great things. But we'll be announcing those in the next few weeks. Well, let me ask you this, Governor: Are we going to? Is the death penalty going to be the death penalty in Louisiana now? Finally. Oh yeah. Oh no no look 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 I'm I'm gonna tell you something Trish, Aaron. You know, <laughs> I mean Aaron. Oh Lord, I'm sorry. No problem. Been doing too many, uh, Aaron. I, I um I'll tell you this. Look, that's a very serious issue, um, and one that I don't take lightly. But there are families across this state that have suffered tremendously. Absolutely. And that uh, and under which the state has made them a promise. They have a con- a contract with the state of Louisiana for the justice that they sought. And we are going to live up to our contracts. How soon will we have to- death penalties in Louisiana under your administration? How soon will it start back up? Well, look, I think that this I think that the special session is going to address the flaws uh, and tighten up the laws so that they, they look more like Texas and Arkansas, um, uh, states that have, have, have successfully fulfilled their obligation uh, to victims. Because, look, this crime session is going to be victim-oriented, not criminal-oriented. Amen. Okay? It, it's about the rights of the victims, not the rights of the criminals. Okay? The criminals have their rights. And, and that's based upon... You know the Constitution, Fourth, Fifth Amendment, and, and, and Supreme Court precedent. But, but at the end of the day, this is really about the victims. And so we're going to be addressing those things because when we look to our neighboring states, those that we always say, "Ooh, we would sure like to be more like them." Or why are they beating us out? Mm-hmm. Um, you see some of those structural things. So we're, we we fully intend to fix those defects um, uh, in our laws and, and and fulfill the promises to those victims. The March legislative session that is coming after this, the regular session, we've heard a lot about tax reform. We've heard a lot about our infrastructure. Um, do you have some top priorities as you look to the March session now? Yeah, I mean, I think you you said a very uh, key word, infrastructure. Look, um, during the crime session, I traveled uh, over to Lake Charles to announce what I thought is is the beginning of an unbelievable deal, um, not one that, that 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 certainly it's not the ideal deal for for me and the people of the state. But we finally those people down there are finally going to get a bridge uh, over um, the lake uh, on, on I ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to deal with some tolling, but let, but let me just walk you through what that looks like. Sixty percent of the people that are going to pay for that infrastructure down there are not from this state. That's a win. Number two, there's going to be a, a, a reduced local fare. So those locals pay a reduced fare. Number three, the state of Louisiana, first of its kind, in fact, we're looking through, I don't think 
any other state has ever done this. We have got a 15% equity share, meaning we, we are in the deal for 15%. We're a 15% shareholder. And every dime that that bridge produces a profit, okay, it's going to 15% of that, 15 cents on every dollar produced is going back into easily further lowering the toes or for infrastructure improvements inside that Imperial Calcasieu area. Mm-hmm. Now think about that. If you had an opportunity to do some things under which you could guarantee a revenue stream in Northwest Louisiana, why would not you do that? Those are the kind of infrastructure things that we have to do. We've got a $15 billion backlog. We, we just appointed a, a new secretary at DOTD who I believe is an unbelievable person to head that agency. Your opponent in the um, governor's race was the Secretary of Transportation and Development, and he had told us several times he supported a gas tax increase, but then when he was running for governor, he did not. Um, do you think we need to increase our gas taxes to catch up with that backlog of road and highway problems? You know, I'm not I'm not willing to talk about revenue until we talk about reform. Uh, I think that the people of this state um, have lost faith in uh, the Department of Transportation's ability um, uh, to build and to maintain and to repair the roads and bridges of the state. Uh, there are some fine people there. Let me just tell you this. It doesn't mean that 100% of the people are the problem. Uh, it, it may just be structural, okay, organizational. Uh, it just may be antiquated. And so I think that the important thing to do is to look at the reforms necessary. When you make those reforms, what are the savings that those reforms produce? And then if we have to talk about revenue, we'll have an honest discussion with the people of this state and let them, you know, let, let hear from them. One more thing before I know you're busy. Uh, Mike and I each have two children. Guess where they don't live? Louisiana. What is Jeff Landry, governor, going to do to try to bring our children home, to try to keep our children from leaving the state? Well, Aaron, I think that that was exactly part of what we discussed earlier. Look, one of the things that, that, that keeps young people in our state and attracts other young people to our state is when they believe that there's opportunity, Right. There used to be this great thing called the American dream. It seemed to have just faded off. Um, I don't know. I don't know where it went. Mm-hmm. But when you rekindle that, when people look out and say, you know what? Man, I love people from Louisiana. They're such a great people. I love being around here. And I got an opportunity um, uh, to raise the family, to have a productive life where where there's a, a, a robust middle class uh, and all, all kinds of opportunities to move up the social economical ladder, then you see people come in. I mean, that's why you see people move into Texas. I don't know. Where are your children at? What, what state are they in? One's in Texas and one's in North Carolina. Now, both of mine are military, so eventually they'll Ooh. have a chance. Yeah. Yeah, Ooh, both well, of mine are something. in Texas. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let me say, both of those states, both Texas and North Carolina right now, are literally in the top five t- states for inward migration. They've had the greatest mm-hmm. population increase. Um, um, I think it's Texas, North Carolina, Florida. Three, man, I have to go back and check. South Carolina, too, you mentioned earlier, probably, yeah. South Carolina, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like 
they are just rocking and rolling. Um, and so that's our opportunity over the course of the next four right. years. Right. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. Governor, real, real no, quick. We, <laughs> I just, I just want to. <laughs> want, to, want to speak on behalf of a lot of people right now with this new congressional district that just apparently passed the attempt to redraw the state Supreme Court lines. Uh, Caddo Parish, Bossier Parish, Shreveport, we're part of Louisiana, and there seems to be an attempt to diminish the, the power of the people in this corner of the state. And I would just plead, do you remember, please... <laughs> Uh, we're, we supported you, and we're part of Louisiana, and we want to keep our representation. Well, Mike, let me just say this. I don't think anybody, and I sure, certainly hope no one up there, um, has, has lost faith in, in my commitment to y'all up there. Again, it's a population issue. But let me ask you this. Do you want to spend $15, $20 million more on a legal fight down here and give it to lawyers, or do you want to put fifteen to twenty million dollars on roads and bridges and in education and and and, and crime fighting? I mean, that's the answer. Do you want to keep the, the pen in the hand of the federal judge, or do you want like like I, I can't I can't control where people live and where people go? But here's what I'll tell you: I don't know. I mean, to me, the happiest people should be up there. Y'all now hold the United States Speaker of the House. Mm-hmm. I mean, have y'all forgot that? I mean, in Louisiana, we are punching so much above our weight. We've got the United States Speaker of the House and the Majority League. Yep. And I'm going to tell you something. Steve Scalise will represent, and Mike, represent Northwest Louisiana as equally as they represent other congressional districts around. They work very well with the congressional delegation and our two U.S. senators. Look, again, let's not worry about geographical barriers. And let's look at what's good for the whole of Louisiana. Get those federal judges out of our business. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, Governor, let's, you know, let's, I mean, can you do this again and talk about your crime bills uh, in the next couple of weeks? Let's talk again. Well, Aaron, if I'm not talking to you on a pretty regular basis, I'm going to be sad. Okay. Well, us too. <laughs> oh, well, definitely. We appreciate your time and we wish you all the best. And we're, we're excited about your, um, your, your, your leadership. Your term. Yes, sir. Well, thank you so much. Look, I look forward to doing it again. We'll talk about crime soon. You bet. Thank you, sir. Governor Landry, thank okay, you so much. Care. 1017 FM, 710 Keel. One zero one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline this morning from LSUS Political Science Dr. Jeffrey Sato joining us. Uh, Dr. Sato, good morning, sir. Thank you for your time. Howdy. With a, a supermajority in the in the Louisiana Legislature and a Republican governor, how did we end up with this new congressional district that spreads across the entire state? No, I'm not really sure how that would. Um, it um, it really defies some uh, some logic and common sense to me. If you're a Republican, the way that the the session turned out, and and uh, the fact that it was a uh, uh, Republican governor uh, Jeff Landry and, and legislative leaders that were all on board of this. What would have been a better option? I mean, there were several maps. You you probably looked at them all. Was there a better option that would have benefited all of us? The best option was to have done nothing. Um, 
you have right now uh, the districts that were passed for 2022. Uh, they, well, as of, I guess, yesterday, they were the districts. Now they're not since the bill was signed uh, in installing these new ones. Um, that was in, in litigation, and uh, there's uh, there's no reason to believe that this arrangement or what was the arrangement uh, would, in a say, in the next year or two, uh, would in fact be declared unconstitutional. There's never been a trial on the merits. Uh, you have uh, the state right now has got another lawsuit dealing with legislative districts, and it's uh, rolled out a defense there that it could have used exactly the same for this. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, I, I think the chances are pretty good that uh, it's going to hold up. And But it, it wasn't done. It's, they're acting like uh, it just baffles me because the state's actually using it in this other case, and it acted like it didn't exist uh, when uh, the legislature was talking about this, saying that, oh, we've got no options. Uh, we well, have if it baffles this, you, there's no hope for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and 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 Doctor Sato, it it really does kind of leave Shreveport Bossier out to dry. I mean, how could a congressman really represent an area stretching from Shreveport to Baton Rouge with more than two thirds of the population down in southeast Louisiana? Yeah, well, it, it harkens back to thirty odd years ago when you had the. Uh, district that basically stretched from Shreveport to Monroe, uh, Alexandria, uh, down to Lafayette and Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I don't know that this is ever going to happen because uh, after that district was declared unconstitutional, there was another one drawn, which is about 90% similar to this one. And it was declared unconstitutional. So uh, look for very shortly, there's going to be, you know, they've talked about how the, the plaintiffs of the current suit are all happy about this look for an entirely different set of plaintiffs to come in, sue on this, and then again, we've had a very similar district 30 years ago declared unconstitutional. So it's not at all likely that this map will be declared unconstitutional, and then you're back where we started. So, and spending millions of dollars defending it. Uh, yeah. Which is uh, what and, the governor was alluding or yeah. saying earlier. Yeah, so, I mean, this is not the end of litigation by any means. It doesn't solve anything. So, again, it's just baffling why... You know, in that sense, I mean, there there may be reasons why this was done, but they, they certainly don't seem like good reasons when you look at the larger picture. For them to say that, oh, if we don't do it, the judges, the Obama-appointed judges are going to step in and draw the lines. Is that disingenuous? Well, it, it would uh, it would have happened uh, if the case, you know, it's not officially dismissed, but if the case continued, um, that would have been the next step. Then the state could have sued and they would have brought in that same constitutional challenge that they, they uh, did with the other case. Um, this would cert- this would keep the district lines in place for 2024 that we had had. Uh, the court would eventually, from this case, uh, you know, from the case involving legislative districts or from some other state, would have addressed that constitutional question. Uh, and again, I think that there would have been a good chance that uh, just given uh, what uh, has happened, in the, particularly with the, the case from Alabama, where this is all stemming from, uh, and the opinions that were rendered there, I think there's a good chance that this particular ruling um, from the Middle street District would have been overturned and we would have preserved the districts that we had. Mm. Dr. Jeffrey Sato from LSUS. Dr. Sato, let me ask you about the the recent decision on the opener-closed primaries. You, you <laughs> Talk about baffling 
why why did could they have gone any more confusing on this? Yeah, you know, it uh, it really doesn't change much at all because first of all, it's just a, a fairly limited range of offices. Uh, certainly, I mean, the federal offices now everything is going to be under a closed primary, uh, but only just the, the, our plenary. Uh, executives in the Supreme Court uh, offices are, are going to be under at the state level. And uh, it was done in a fashion where unaffiliated voters are automatically allowed to choose one party's primary to involve themselves in, in any given election. So it doesn't really change much at all if you look at it that way. Really the only people that aren't going to be able to vote now in, in a major party primary for major party candidates are those um, small proportion of the population, fewer than 5%, that have chosen to affiliate with a minor party. So, it, so what was the point really of all of it? At all. Well, it, you know, the, the idea was to, you know, in a, in a partisan sense, to uh, be able to, uh, I guess, purify, if you want to put it that way, the, the nominees that parties have going forward into the general election, uh, reduce the ability of non-party members to influence the most important decision a political party can make, and that is to nominate a candidate for office. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, you, you, we saw watered down in the sense that, you know, almost all state offices were excluded from it eventually. Uh, and then secondly, uh, the fact that unaffiliated voters can still participate in one party's primary of their choosing, you know, that uh, largely defeats the purpose if you're trying to prevent non-party members from influencing a party decision. So um, it, it just, it, it you know, I, I, in, in my view, uh, I think it all kind of got um, uh, confused and 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 uh, really dealing with the internal uh, politics uh, of elections of, of various members uh, because of these other attempts to read this uh, reapportion not only uh, with Congress but uh, the attempt to do it with the Supreme Court as well, uh, state Supreme Court, and uh, eventually it was just uh, this this notion that. Um, uh, you know why? Why you know why should I stick my neck out for this governor that's that's doing this to us? Us being the majority Republicans, uh, and so you know we we've got here uh, with the election system that we had. So um, why mess with that? I'm not going to you know uh, I'm just not going to do it. So uh, yeah, just um, uh, it was all kind of interconnected and all kind of no. fell apart because you had Republicans being asked to voluntarily give up a congressional seat they didn't really have to give up mm. doc let me ask you this real quick before we let you go mm-hmm. in, in judging in basing off this one week special session should northwest louisiana voters and residents be very concerned i kind of feel that way i feel that way too yeah yeah i mean the, you know the, the the fact of the matter is uh 90 of the state's population is the 20 miles located to 20 miles above I-10 and below. And so, yeah, North Louisiana has always been um, underrepresented, let's say, in that sense. And so, uh, yeah, if there's an oxen to be gored, it's usually going to be uh, in this region of the state. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's uh, not, not an irrational worry. Mm. Thank you so much for your time. Sure. Mm-hmm. Have a great morning. 1017 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. Five. More breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel.
101.7 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. Before we yep. get into serious stuff, okay. real quick, we have to make a correction. Uh-oh. Um, because Ruben has done the research, and um, we were talking about crawfish prices and crawfish earlier. Right. And why are they not reproducing faster? What's the problem? <laughs> and Ruben has discovered crawfish do. They, they, they go belly to belly. Do they? Yeah, they they go belly to belly. Okay. It's not like a it's not like a lay eggs and fertilize the eggs situation. Okay. They we, they are belly to belly. Thank you for doing the research <laughs> on crawfish <laughs> sex today. Right. Yeah, it's crawfish <laughs> sex ed. <laughs> Had to correct that. Just want to make sure. I'm glad we did. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Sorry, the only radio station in America yep. talking crawfish sex today. Absolutely. City Council's talking well, it's about a big <laughs> topic. By the way, before you before you yeah. drift off from that, because uh, this season is it's just has, has been devastated by the drought right. from last summer. Uh, there are some crawfish ponds that these farmers have that are like a foot deep now. They, and they did don't you say have, it's going to impact next season too? It's even going to impact the 2025 season in the research that I did yesterday because they're going to have to restock these ponds. They're not being able to reproduce naturally mm-hmm. uh, because because the like you say the, the water levels have been so low. Do all the female crawfish have headaches or something? There's there's a lot of aspirin going to be sold in the, in the crawfish world. <laughs> I just know they're 15 bucks a pound right now if you can find them. And they're small and they're, yeah. yeah. No, it's not I'm worth afraid, it. We, yeah. Mm-mm. It is just not worth it. Um, in, in real important news, <laughs> city council could be voting on a, uh, an increase for your water and sewer bill, but they also want some clarification first. The mayor has, he was proposing a 20% increase. Now he's backed it to 10%. But during yesterday's meeting, uh, Ursula Bowman brought up an interesting question. She said, just kind of bluntly, what are we doing about the theft of water from Cross Lake? And well, Almost like it was an offhand yeah. thought. Right. And the, they were taught and they got to the city attorney stepped up. They started talking about some of the fracking companies may be using water from Cross Lake for their business purposes, but not paying for it. And the figure of $6 million was thrown around. And I thought, you know, if we've got $6 million worth of water that somebody is stealing from us, we could certainly back off that rate increase. So the mayor said he would get, you know, it's very uh, complicated. City attorney said it's very complicated. Well, with all the water issues in the news right now, my concern is that's our city water supply you're tapping into. Absolutely. And and who's watching you? You know, who who are you telling, hey, I'm about to drain, you know, 100,000 gallons of your water. And when are you doing it? And et cetera. So the mayor has said he's going to send an analysis to the council about what's going on. And uh, I've asked for a copy of that as well. And so we'll hope to get that and find out what really is going on. And is there theft of the water actually happening? Do the companies have permission to do what they're doing? Um, and if they don't, they need to pay up. Because you it's, it just doesn't come free. Water ain't free anymore. <laughs> unless you catch it in a bucket today. Uh, yeah, good point. Mm-hmm. Senator Kennedy joining us after the news, bottom of the hour. Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM, 710 Keel, and on that free Keel app. Big stories of the day with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. 
Always entertaining. Senator John Kennedy joining us coming up just after the break. Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM, 710 Q. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. And on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline this morning, honored to have Senator John Kennedy joining us. Senator, good morning, sir. Good morning, folks. Thank you for taking time to talk with us. Look, of course, the big news this morning is uh, uh, New Hampshire primary is taking place as we speak. Um, we know DeSantis is now out. It's Trump and Haley. What are you expecting from New Hampshire? I have no idea. <laughs> uh, and I say that because I don't I don't have a lot of confidence in polling anymore. Sure. I, I think a lot of people identify pollsters as being part of the, the establishment or the managerial lead or the government. And they're very reluctant to tell pollsters what they honestly think. Right. And we've seen that in the last uh, two or three election cycles. So um, I'm going to, I can't predict the future. I'm going to have to wait for it like everybody else, but we'll know tonight. The Supreme Court ruled five to four yesterday that the uh, border agents can remove the razor wire along the border. It's kind of seen as a victory for the Biden camp. The, the border is a disaster, Senator Kennedy, and you've got these Democratic mayors screaming about, you know, 3,500 are coming into their state, 35,000 a day into Texas. Where, when are we finally going to get control of the border? Um, I, I think when we change administrations, Aaron. Mm-hmm. Now, there are things we can do in the meantime to stop the flow, and that's what we're working toward doing now. But but you can't change somebody who doesn't want to be changed. And you do not have to be an astrophysicist to figure out that Joe Biden wants open borders. And so do most of my Democratic colleagues. We've been we've been negotiating this border security measure for three months now. Uh, So far, it's just been a gab fest. Because President Biden and my Democratic colleagues keep saying, well, you know, we want to secure the border. And then they keep throwing up obstacles to us getting a bill done. And, you know, you got to watch what people do, not what they say. And, you know, everything else is just cottage cheese. Watch what politicians do. So to hear those Democratic mayors screaming and moaning and, you know, stop sending your buses, what do you say to those people? Come on. Well, I say to them, now you see what what uh, the border states are going through. Uh, number one, right. I, I would say respectfully, you know, you can cut the hypocrisy with a knife. Mm-hmm. I thought you guys were sanctuary cities. Yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly. um, and, and number three, why don't you talk? call the White House and tell President Biden um, to, to please reach an agreement with us to secure the border. How about we enforce the law? If you'll agree, if you'll agree, we we can do it in, in in six weeks. And frankly, we don't need a law. Uh, if Biden would just enforce the laws we have now, we could do exactly it. enforce our existing laws already. Yes, I mean I, the, the the laws are there. I mean he can do a Remain in Mexico program, a safe third country agreement. The law already says if you if you're caught trying to sneak in our country illegally, you, you're supposed to be immediately uh, deported. 
he could finish the wall. Um, it's standing there, half finished. I've seen it. Uh, if somebody claims asylum and uh, they they lose in court, uh, they should be deported immediately. President Biden doesn't deport any of them. He says, I need more money. And we're not going to give him more money to just go buy more welcome mats. Well, it's mind-boggling to me, Senator, that our own federal government, we have a, a governor of the state of Texas trying to secure his state and he has to fight our own federal government. When going back to when he tried to put barriers in the Rio Grande River, when he, now he's allowing the border patrol agents to cut the razor wire and let these illegals cross our border. Our own government is fighting this governor. How yeah. did we get here? No, I mean, you're right. Joe Biden believes in open borders, and I I, I would uh, respect this administration a lot more. It would be much more intellectually honest if they would just stand up and say so. I guess they think the American people are stupid and can't see what's going on. Senator Kennedy closed primaries. The Louisiana legislature passed it, um, kind of wa- a watered-down version, if you will. So it's just for you, you in Congress, um, and a uh-huh. couple of state elected officials. Um, are you happy with it? They changed it a little bit so that almost – Almost everyone who votes in Louisiana will be able to vote in your Senate race. Is that what we're hearing? Well, you can, you know, there's no perfect system there. You can, there are pros and cons of closed versus open primaries. What, what you want, whether you use closed or open, you, you don't want to disenfranchise anybody, regardless of party. You, you want to make sure that people are who they say they are before the, they vote. Mm. And you want to make sure we have an election day and not an election month. That's when that's when the foolishness starts. Is when these things drag on six weeks. Um, the the pro of closed primaries is that it can uh, strengthen party loyalty. Now that cuts both ways. It can do it for both Republicans and Democrats. Um, the the uh, the other pro is that done right, done right, not in all circumstances, it can increase turnout. The downside of closed primaries is that it does disenfranchise a lot of no-party independent voters, and we got a bunch of them in Louisiana. So um, I worked with the legislature and the governor to do an amendment um, at the last minute uh, to try to uh, to uh, fix that, and we did. Mm-hmm. Now, the other thing you got to remember, though, Aaron, this can closed primaries hurt. I'm not talking policy now. I'm talking politics. Closed primaries hurt the dominant party. Think back to the 1970s when Edwin Edwards changed this. The Democrats were the dominant party. Edwards changed it to open primaries because he was tired of Democrats fighting it out in the primary and then the Republicans having a free shot at it. Mm-hmm. Now the shoe's on the other foot. The Republicans are the dominant party. Now, I know Democratic legislators oppose closed primaries, but I bet secretly um, they would like to see them because it gives Democrats a free shot at Republicans who battled it out in the primary. And that's the downside. And that's I what think we're that's looking at. We're looking at a race with you, you possibly running in the Republican primary. And maybe having a couple of Republican challengers, 
And you have a John Bell Edwards possibly on the other side where he probably won't have any challengers. And he gets to sit back and watch y'all fight each other and coast in. That's kind of what you're saying, huh? Yeah, that's why Edwin Edwards changed the system to open primaries. But he did it at the time to protect Democrats. Mm. Now Republicans are the dominant party. And that's why I say there are a lot of Democrats out there, uh, Democratic, Democratic leadership. They're not saying a word. But they love closed primaries because it gives them a free shot. And a lot of members of the legislature knew this. I, I didn't lobby it, but they were all calling me. Um, I think most of them didn't want to do this, but but they voted for it out of respect to our governor. I get I get that. Um, but they wanted to to make sure that that we allowed no party independence to vote in the primary if they want to and we ended up amending the bill to do that mm-hmm. senator we know we're, we're very proud of mike johnson here in louisiana uh but he's, oh, i am too man he's doing a great job he, he is doing a great job uh and, and a senator that i've liked marjorie taylor green seems to be going after him now but what can a what can a speaker do with a two vote margin well for all practical purposes the uh, the house is fifty yeah. fifty, and uh, and 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 Mike Mike's got to 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 wrestle this thing to the ground, right? And he's do, he's doing a great job, but you can't ask the man to do the impossible. And he's got free range chickens on both sides that wander off <laughs> uh, to prosecute their own agenda. And under the circumstances, I think he's doing great. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think Good. all the rhetoric you hear about we're going to overthrow him, um, you know, is not going to happen, man. I mean, it's not going to happen. Mike is is going to be there for as long as Mike wants to be there. Well, I'm glad and to hear I that. Wish people would give him a chance, and they are, but some of them aren't. One last thing: um, crawfish in very short supply. Can you help us? Yeah. <laughs> oh, if I could, I would. I love crawfish. <laughs> um, I don't know, Sorry. I, but I'm not much of a crawfish farmer. I'm just an eater, so I don't know what we can do to help them. You tell me what to do, and I'll do it. I'm just messing with you on that one this morning. People are in, in an uproar in your state because we can't get our crawfish yet. It's sad. These people up here don't understand it in Washington D.C. Right. They they think they're many lobsters, <laughs> and they want to and they want to put on a bib and dip them in butter and <laughs> and and you know you just look at them and go what. Planet, did you parachute in from, man? Well, anything you can do to help, we appreciate your time today, sir. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Stay uh-huh. warm. All righty. Thank you, Senator. Keep doing God's work. 1017 FM 710 Keo, Mike and McCarty. Back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Oh, give me a break. What's your what, oh? What? Somebody posted a, 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 a one of these memes. You know, there's a mail there's a mail truck in a cemetery. Guys, obviously sitting there having lunch or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But the caption is, "I saw a mail truck in the cemetery today. I guess they've started delivering the ballots." Oh <laughs> dang! So okay, Ouch. now that's funny. Ha ha! You know, mm-hmm. good laugh, Aaron. There's a disclaimer at the bottom of the post. Missing context. 
This same information was checked in another post by independent fact checkers. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Kidding me? Oh, Lord. That shows you what BS fact checkers are. Mm -hmm. Come on, man. Golly, that's nuts. Absolutely (laughs) crazy. illustrious president says. Yeah. In the the two coherent words he can string together. Oh, sorry. Was that Come out on, loud? Man. Yeah. Come on, man. Oh boy, yeah. It's that's funny. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I've said a lot of people have been given suspensions from social media for silly little things lately. Right. Are they getting tougher on stuff? Uh, well, uh, yeah. Look who's in control. Uh, of course. That's really. I haven't sad. seen anything from the Babylon Bee in months and months. Hmm. And they always post, you know, used to post funny stuff. Right. And they're gone. I, I Yeah. <laughs> what what happened? I know. You don't see much from a lot of things. I, my problem is on some of those, I get the same 20 or 30 people over and over out. again. And I'm trying to figure out how do I change it? Yes. How do I get, well, you know. Well, not that I want more. I don't. Wait, I know. And wait. I'm trying to get rid of the commercials that always pop up, the things that are showing all the time. And I'm like, I don't need to see that again. <laughs> I don't need any new bras. I'm good. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. And when did we start needing deodorant for all of our body? Don't, don't. When did that become a thing? <laughs> I know we're running the commercials, but they're everywhere. They're all, I'm playing a game on my phone. All of a sudden, I need deodorant for down there you and need for my butt deodorant. Yes, I need butt deodorant. <laughs> when did that become a thing? Ruben, do you use butt deodorant? Did you ever think anybody would ask you that question? <laughs> I, I, I didn't hear him. I, didn't. I don't know what he's talking about in there. I just don't. I, that all of a sudden, those products are everywhere. Oh. Somebody's getting rich over selling deo. Why can't you, if, if you want to use secret and you need it everywhere else, why can't you just use that? Why do you have to have a special one for the other? Anyway, man, you got me started. I'm sorry. You knew this was going to happen, didn't you? Just wind her up. Oh, oh it's so easy. Just, uh, just I know. throw it in the ring and watch it flip around. Yeah. <laughs> We did crawfish sex and butt deodorant today. Sex and butt deodorant. <laughs> it's an award-winning show today, Mike oh, and McCarty. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not that we had Thomas Presley on. We had the governor on. No. We had Senator Kennedy. We mm. had a, an illustrious professor from LSU. No, we're talking crawfish sex and butt deodorant. Yeah. Oh, boy. Highbrow every day. We'll have more of it tomorrow. Tomorrow we're going to be talking about uh, proper toenail trimming and (laughs) (laughs) your feet stinking. I don't know. Oh, watch out on I-20. Big wreck at Pines Road. Look out there. Eastbound. It's starting to back up. Mm -hmm. 1017 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty.